Good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Scott Summit Podcast. Hope you had a wonderful uh, Easter celebration this past weekend. Uh, and actually, that is kind of what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be, uh, Mike and I are going to be sharing our Easter uh, celebrations and um, and kind of our thoughts on Easter celebrations in general and kind of what's next after Easter and kind of what are some good practical ways to kind of keep that momentum going uh, throughout the rest of the year. And um, joining me today is Micah Current. Micah, how are you doing today? Man, I'm kind of feeling that fatigue. I don't know about you, but the the days and weeks leading up to Easter and then actually having Easter and it's like you run this marathon and you're on the treadmill for a couple of weeks prior to it. And then you just, you fall, you basically fall off. Right. And then you wake up Monday and you're like, man, I still have to go to work. I still have to do everything, but it's just a big yeah. deal. It's a big presentation. And for many, there's multiple services uh, over the course of that weekend. And so, yeah, but, but yeah, I'm doing good. Uh, spring is here in Ohio and, and my allergies are really noticing that. I don't know if you're mm. feeling the same way. I was feeling that a couple of weeks ago, like I wasn't getting much congestion in my nose, but in my chest, I just felt like I wasn't sick, but it was just occasionally I would cough. I'm like, okay, you know, get the gunk out of my mouth. And, but then yeah, I, I mean, mowed, I felt fine. I mowed the grass for the first time yesterday afternoon because it was a nice day and uh, my sinuses thanked me for it later because I just sneezed all day yesterday. Yeah. So. Anytime I'm, anytime when I had to mow the grass, I usually would take some Flonase, shoot it up my nose, and then I go out and start mowing. It seemed to help. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So before we start talking about our Easter uh, experiences, celebrations, um, story's gone wild. So, Micah, you have a story for us today. I do. Uh, it's, I don't know, it's kind of personal, but it's also kind of like you just kind of have to laugh or shake your head. But, um not the last church that I worked at full time, but the church I worked at before that. Um, when I left, I didn't leave on the greatest of terms uh, with with the staff and the pastor. And mm-hmm. um, I reconciled things later and, and and things, you know, appeared to be good and whatnot. But like usually, Scott, when you leave a ministry assignment, you really don't talk to folks. You don't talk to people that you used to um, minister to and then people that you were close to or even that you were on staff with. Um, and so... Mm-hmm. Some of you know some of which that it, over the years that I've uh, been associated with or had some transitions, I've not talked to since the day I walked out of the church that I was working at at the time. Mm. So um, I'm sure you've had the same experience. Mm-hmm. So um, we have some really good friends, uh, my wife and I, that uh, used to go to that church, and we have been friends with them, you know, since we've left. And yeah. they're they're just wonderful people and. We uh, we grab dinner with them, you know, once a week, maybe twice, just depending on what's going on. And they uh, they also served. Uh, they have a cleaning company and a painting company, and they also served at the church in a, in a role of cleaning and maintaining the building and facilities. And so, last week we were uh, we just got home from work, and uh, one of our friends called us and said, "Hey, we're uh, we're going to go to the grocery store next to this." Mexican restaurant, which is one of the spots that we frequent. And um, if you guys can meet us there, you know, we're going to be there. So let's go ahead and do it. So my wife and I just got home from work and we were like, sure, we don't want to cook. Let's get in the car. Let's go to the Mexican restaurant. And Scott, I'm not kidding you when I say that when I'm sitting in this Mexican restaurant, that the pastor of that church and his wife 
and their kids and their kids' siblings and their kids, uh, kids and spouses and everything, that entire family walks into the restaurant and I'm the first one to see them. And if that's not bad enough, Scott, what do you think they did next? Probably came and tried to talk to you, right? No. Oh, they, they set them in the table right next to us. Oh my goodness. Wow. I have never felt so uncomfortable in all of my life. Wow. Granted, I have reconciled things with the pastor and his wife and said, hey, you know, sorry for the way things ended up. You know, if you have any, if you ever need anything, just let me know and I'd be glad to help if I can in any way. And uh, had not heard from them since then. Um, Mm -hmm. And when they came in and they sat down, their son and his wife sat closest to us and their son kind of did this little thing where he like uh-huh. looked away from us on purpose and like just kind of cold shouldered us. Oh, and wow. They made it awkward. And, um, I actually, um, I, I waved and tried to be cordial and say hello. And they didn't, they didn't respond. And, um, we, <laughs> uh, remember phone a friend on who wants to be a millionaire. Yeah. who wants to be a millionaire i called jordan our friend jordan holstead and i was like hey uh buddy what are you doing and i got our check and i beelined it out of the restaurant and oh, so goodness. um wow. our good our good friends who are good friend who were good friends with them literally tried to get up and go talk to them after we left the restaurant and they tried to make conversation and just say hi and everything they didn't say anything to them like so they were standing there and they were trying to have a conversation and they just ignored them that is ridiculous. So that, I don't know. If, uh, I don't know if it's a story's gone wild as as much as well. It's, uh, it's story's it's, gone awkward. It's well. It's it's here's the wild thing. Here's the wild factor. If you are, I mean, here's the thing. There's been times where literally, I've you know, especially at the last church I pastored. There's times where I'll run into people that were members there, or and I'll talk to them. Or if they say hi to me, I just, I'll talk to them. I'll say, oh, hey, and, you know, just make polite conversation. I mean, do I feel awkward about it? Yeah. Do I really want to talk to them? Probably not. But if they're, if I see them, I make eye contact. I'm going to say something because, again, I don't want to give off the impression that, um, that I'm being petty or even the fact that even if, um, we didn't reconcile anything, you know, that might be an opportunity to talk, or maybe there might be an opportunity where we'll say, Hey, you know, look, I'm sorry, the way stuff went down. And, and you know, we could have that conversation, even if it's just a five minute conversation in like aisle seven of a grocery store. But the fact that you are in such close proximity with somebody, you've already made eye contact and really someone says hi to you to talk with you and you just simply ignore them like that's pretty crappy that i mean and i don't know where the love of christ is in that because mm-hmm. in my opinion there isn't any love of christ in that that's just basically saying it, it it's it's that typical mega church mentality that if you are no longer going to that church or you are no longer on staff then you are kind of shunned and you're kind of considered an outcast 
doesn't matter. And it's not that you are a sinner or being, or like whatever Paul says, like, you know, warn a brother for a person three, two times after that, nothing to do with them. It's like, if everything was cool or everything was reconciled to a point where, you know, maybe not everything was cool, but at least to a point where it's like, hey, you know, we're kind of good right here on a surface level. And then the fact that you're not going to even say hi or, and especially you're a friend who like got up and like intentionally got in their space and started talking to them and simply got ignored them. I'm like, that is cold hearted. That is, that is not the way of Christ. Like, I'm sorry. I'm, I mean, I may get some flack for that, but that I just call it how I see it. And I feel like that's not the way Christians should behave. Especially if you know people, that's kind of, that's garbage. That's garbage. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, and even the church that I, I worked at last fall that I took a step mm-hmm. back from to go to counseling and things like that. Yeah. Like I have texted and talked to the pastor since leaving there and uh-huh. have, have been very cordial. Yeah. And, you know, I told him happy birthday and that I, I hoped he was doing well and wanted to get coffee with him. And he said he was very open to that. And it was like, you don't have to be that way just because somebody leaves your church. Yeah. Or because, or because there's another opportunity staff wise for you to go pursue ministry somewhere else. Because, you know, great example is that the church that I'm referencing, I was part-time. I was getting paid very little every couple of weeks. And then I lost my full-time job. And so the church that I went to following that church was a full-time position. Yeah. There was no way that that church could compete with that unless they were to offer me something full time. Yeah. And so I just felt like the whole thing was petty. Yeah, it is very petty. Very petty. Well, and Man. it almost feels like, well, too, like, okay. So the friends that we were friend that we were at the dinner with used to be really good friends with them as well. And so it almost felt like, okay, the four of us were having dinner together. And it was like, why would you have dinner with them and not with us versus you know, you know, because we're not all friends anymore. And it's like, well, that really doesn't make a lot of sense because you've pretty much shunned all of us. And it's, you know, not on us because you can't, you know, have relationships outside of the church that you're pastor. Mm-hmm. Which that's just so yeah. bizarre, right? Like you can't, why, why, why can't people have relationships outside of the church? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, goodness. Wow. Yeah. You can just hang well, out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thanks for thanks for the show, everybody. No. Um yeah, gosh dang. Dude, that's that sucks. I'm sorry that happened to you. Mm. That's pretty pretty messed up. Well, Ugh. for me, I told I kept telling my wife, I was like, I've never felt so awkward in my life. Never felt so awkward in my life. Yeah. Again, I don't blame you. Oh man! Well, and I'll be cordial with folks, just like you said. Like if you'd see somebody at the end of the gar end of the garbage, in the gar or not garbage store. Wow, <laughs> into the grocery store. Yeah, the whole thing felt like garbage. Um, yeah. <laughs> if you see somebody in the grocery store, mm-hmm. um, you know, like be cordial and be nice to people because that's what Christ called us to do. Yeah, absolutely. Goodness, man. What about yeah, your story? So- do you have a better story than I do? Well, mine's is definitely not as. Petty as that. Mine's is kind of comical. So um, as some of you know, if you've been listening, we've kind of made reference that um, that I was going to be traveling. Um, so we went on vacation. We actually had an opportunity to go on a Disney cruise. Um, 
and it shipped out of the port of New Orleans. So we got to go to New Orleans for a day. Uh, we drove all the way from Columbus to New Orleans, uh, sailed to Cosmel and back, and then drove back home. So a span of a week. Actually, I was in Nashville when the uh, Nashville shooting took place. Um, so I wasn't there near the school, but I definitely was in the area. Um, so that was, that was interesting. So I definitely got to get a lot of stuff happening there. Um, just, you know, absorbed in all that. Um, but the funny thing is, is when you think about different cruise lines and Mike, have you ever been on a cruise before? Nope. Can't say that I have. Okay. Well, Different cruise lines cater to different groups. And of course, when you think about a Disney cruise line, even though they have um, like kind of like adult things, like they have like a trivia night, they have some pubs, they have some like an adult only like swim area where, you know, kids don't have to go into that to that section. Um, But mostly a Disney cruise is for families. It's all about families, creating memories. Um, so we're on this Disney cruise and it was like our first Disney cruise that we took. So it's like, okay, you know, and we do some learning things about it, but for the most part, it was a pretty good trip, but man, you would think that the happiest place on earth, Walt Disneyland, Walt Disney world and the happiest cruise line on earth. There are so many angry people. (laughs) I mean, I mean, like granted, granted, like when you're in like a little tiny room with kids and they're especially small kids and they don't want to go to sleep. You could hear some of the parents get a little cranky with their kids. Um, but sometimes when, when you're out in the public areas, you know, you as a family, you try to hold it together, but man, uh, uh-uh, it was like parents were accusing their kids of don't do that. I know you're a liar and you, you took your brother's like, like Mickey bar or whatever. Like it was just like, Holy cow. Like, like it was just like, where the heck am I? But so it was very odd and very weird. But the wildest thing is they have these like play areas where parents can kind of drop off their kids and then the parents can go and, you know, like Laura and I dropped off Lizzie and Peter and then we would go and, you know, hit like the eighties. We did an eighties music trivia and I got 46 out of 50. So, yeah, pretty good. Didn't win, but I was glad that I got in that upper percentile. Um, But it was, um, but I'm dropping my kids off at this play area. And there's like probably like a kid who's probably like maybe 12 years old and his older sister. And literally this kid is standing by the wall where there's like built in columns into these walls. And he turns around and he starts licking the column. Just starts licking the column. And his sister goes, ew, gross. What are you doing? And I'm standing there staring at this kid licking this column. Because it's like, I couldn't look away. I was just like, what the heck am I watching? (laughs) And I I mean, it wasn't like Willy Wonka's cruise ship. Or it tastes like a gobstopper or a snozberry. (laughs) A column. Oh, my goodness. But, oh my goodness, and there's a lot of other wild stories that happen on my cruise, but that definitely was um, the top tier of just seeing someone who, I don't know if they were hungry, so they thought, man, this column looks tasty, I'm just going to start nibbling on it. So, <laughs> um, 
I don't know if I've referenced my friend Chad from work on this podcast. I know I have on Jordan's podcast, the Nerd Talk podcast, but mm-hmm. um, he has six children, two of which are twins that are, you know, in between a year and a half and two years old. And um, so the, they took their kids to Disney. Mm-hmm. Is it Disney World or Disney? What's which Disney one's World's in? in D- Disney World's in Orlando. That's it. So they went to Orlando, and they said that their kids, you know touch everything lick everything and it made me think of that when you said that that kid was licking the side of a bar but yeah. like um the um one of the twins you know licked something and they all got some sort of stomach flu oh no so like on the way home <laughs> so on the way home chad's driving you know from florida all the way to ohio they have a horrible story and i'm not gonna t- take your time <laughs> with that but like it started with one of them, then the other one got sick, and then all the kids got sick. And thankfully, the uh, um, the wife okay. did not I get found this on the web. No, <laughs> thanks, Siri. I'm so sorry, my Siri went off on my my MacBook, and I have no idea why. <laughs> what is going on right now? Um, Siri wants to be on this podcast. <laughs> apparently, Siri wants to be a part of this podcast, even though I have the Do Not Disturb feature on my phone. Um, so anyway, they were on their way home and all of them got sick. So when you uh, started, you said somebody was licking something, Chad's convinced that one of his, his twins licked something at Disney and they shouldn't have. And that's where they got uh, the nasty bug. So I thought that's where you were going with that story, but thankfully it wasn't. No, 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 no. We, we actually came <laughs> back and none of us were sick. So we were good. Like it was good. So, well, <laughs> what a way to kind of divert that licking a column story to hey happy easter everybody <laughs> so, so micah how was your how was your easter celebration yesterday it was good um i got a call last week on i i had we had planned on just going to church and just kind of hanging out and um just visiting a couple we've been visiting churches over the last couple of weeks and yeah we went to a presbyterian church last week and really enjoyed it and um, forgot how much liturgy's in a Presbyterian service with the oh, yeah. mm-hmm. prayers and things like that. So it was cool to see something different there. And so we had plans to go either there again this Sunday, which was yesterday Easter, or you know visit somewhere else. But uh, I think it was Wednesday or Thursday. The worship pastor at the church that I do marketing for called me and said, "Hey, um, I really need a drummer for for Sunday," and. I haven't played, I haven't led worship or played in church since last November. Mm-hmm. And I haven't led or played drums in church since probably August of 20, 2021. So I haven't played drums in almost two years at a church. And so he was like, I really need you. You know, you're my last hope, Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, this is our darkest hour. Um, so he <laughs> he called me and he was like, "Man, I could really use you on Sunday, you know, Sunday to play drums. Uh, here's the worship set. And by the way, like some of the songs I haven't heard in years. And so I had to mm-hmm. figure that out in a couple of couple of days. And but anyway, got to church, ran the rehearsal, and um, service went really well. Um, I I hate. I'll go onto the record and state state that I hate electronic drums, especially in a church setting. So. Um, there was an electronic kit and um, it's a smaller venue though. So I kind of understand why they do it, but yeah, it, it was hard to come into a place and play a set of drums that you've never played before, especially electrics. Um, and I think part of the reason that my allergies are acting up today is because of the, the lilies. 
Lily should never be oh. in churches. Yeah. I don't care if they're spring or Easter or not. But who Do you know where that came about in the history of church culture? I have no clue. That's a good question. I have no clue. Poinsettias and for for uh, for Christmas and then lilies for for Easter and it's like the poinsettias really don't bother me but the lilies man they're super fragrant and they're very potent and they had them all around the drum set and all over the stage and all over the oh, table so they were everywhere no. so um but anyway I, I played and kind of felt good to play again um I one thing I did notice is kind of because of Ohio in the spring is that like especially with church, you know, churches that have primarily older people, they still have the heat on. And so oh, yeah. it's like, it was roasting in there. I, t- I looked at my wow. wife and I came off the platform and said I was roasting, but all in all, it was a good experience. Got rehearsal, good uh, set. It's cool to play drums again. Um, I enjoy this. Uh, what's, what time are your services at your church? So our services are at 9 a.m. and 11 p or 11 a.m. Yeah. 9, 11. 9-11. So, like, the service, the church I played at yesterday, their service was at 10. I really like the 10 o'clock hour setup, right? Like, you get done at 11, you get to lunch early, you get home early. So, um, yeah. And then I came home by my grass and made my allergies worse. So, how was your Easter services? So, Easter services were great. Like, I think the whole, like, Holy Week was very um, jam-packed for me. We had... Um, we did actually we did a Monday Thursday service and it was the first time I introduced foot washing in a UMC church and got approval for that. So first time anyone has ever did that. So I did a family one with just like uh, families of youth and teens. Had a lot of small we had a, only a small group of people because again it was relatively new. Um but yeah, we I did that had an Easter egg hunt Saturday. And then I had Easter service on Sunday. Um, and again, we had a our nine o'clock service, which is our contemporary service. Uh, it was pretty was pretty packed. Like there is people kept getting more chairs and some people were just sitting out in the hallways, which um, outside our contemporary worship space, we actually have like a little hallway and there's like pews out there that for people to sit on. And then once all the kids went to uh, Sunday school, like a good like quarter of the space cleared out <laughs> once the kids got uh to their uh, Sunday school thing. So it was pretty it was pretty good. It was pretty exciting. Um pretty good. And then our eleven o'clock service, we actually had a full um brass orchestra there to sing along with our with the choir there, the chan- the chancel choir. And man it was like fantastic. And even during the um, Easter egg hunt, I made an announcement like, oh, if you don't have a place to worship, you could either come to our nine o'clock or our 11 o'clock, which are more traditionary, but it's going to be great because it has all these instruments. And we have a fam- a young family with young kids that usually come to the nine o'clock, but they decide to come to the 11 o'clock. And they even said, man, that was good. I'm like, yeah. And, and during Christmas, we have like a full string quartet that actually plays. <laughs> we have cellos and violins. And they're like, really? I'm like, oh, yeah, it was re- Christmas. Christmas Eve service was pretty dope. Um, but yeah, so it was pretty good. Like it was um, very, very enjoyable. And again, since I'm the um, children's coordinator, I'm usually upstairs watching all the kids. So but so I don't get to stick around for all of the service. I don't get to stick around for the message, but I'm there for the first half. And then once we dismiss the kids to go to Sunday school, then that's when I start taking them upstairs and 
play silly games with them and teach them the gospel. So good stuff. Did um did the Monday Thursday thing seem to be well received? Uh, I only had like I mean we had we had a regular Monday Thursday service, but yeah, I think from uh, it was kind of hard because we had this big open space and I pre read had pre registration open. I had like a couple families, one family that wasn't able to make it, but I mean it was like me and then two other families. But I mean it was very short. It was a short service. We had a time of prayer. I read John thirteen. I talked about kind of the history of foot washing and why we do it, and then I gave them the opportunity on here's what you need to do. I had like my fresh water bucket, the dump water bucket to dump all the nasty foot water into. And and everyone seemed to enjoy it. I mean, it was very quick. It was only about a half an hour service because we only had like three people. But I mean, we'll see. Like, I don't know if I'll do it again. And maybe I may, you know, I may say like, hey, if you're like not into feet things, you know, there's other options we can do. You know, you can wash the hands. You can do other things just so people can kind of understand the concept of it because i think for some people like there was one time where actually my secretary she has a daughter and she's like oh yeah our daughter was so excited about it she's like oh yay like mom and dad get to wash my feet cool like she thought it was really cool and then once she found out that you know she may she'll have to also wash her mom or dad's feet she's like no i'm not touching you guys' feet <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> which i get that i get that it's kind of a it's kind of unless you're a church that actually practices it regularly and you see it as one of your ordinances, like any church that doesn't have that as a ordinance or a sacrament or a part of their Easter liturgy, like they're like, I don't know what this is. And I don't know if I want to partake in it. Um, But I guess the Pope actually washed some prisoners feet around that time too. Got the, someone told me about that. So I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Cause I know it's a tradition in Catholic churches. Uh, um, it's an interesting, interesting thought. And I think over the years, like it's kind of lost interest. It was a big thing in the church of God forever. Um, I think my dad still does it and I know other churches that still do it as well. But like, I remember when I was still at town Boulevard church for a while, they did, they combined everything. Mm-hmm. So like on Monday, Thursday, they did communion, they did foot washing and they did like a time of worship. Um, so they did all of them together so that it would kind of just say, or that, that it would bring, you know, more time for the hour so that it would fill that hour that you're planning that service, when you were planning that service, so that um, it wasn't just foot washing, you go home. So, A, that would kind of help ease some of the, uh, I guess, anxiety that goes along with foot, wash, foot washing. Um, but I, in my own experience over the last, you know, decade or, so, decade or so, you know, people have really lost interest in that for whatever reason. Maybe it is feet. Maybe it is just another day that we have to go to church during the week. Maybe it's, you know, our schedules are just too busy. Who knows? But um, I was just interested because, you know, you're in a UMC church now and you said that that's yeah. not, not a common practice. Yeah. And I mean, and I think that's a big thing too. Like even like when, um, when I was doing um, Monday, Thursday services in a church of God church, and we were doing like a modern day last supper, and we were going out to restaurants. Like you can't take off your shoes in a public like facility, like a restaurant and start washing people's feet. So, you know, how do you, so that was the thing, like, how do you communicate that the theme or kind of the main message of what Jesus was doing with his disciples in a modern setting? So, you know, my my interpretation or my approach to that was to 
people pre-registered. I had individual cards that I got to write personal letters to them and just thank them for their ministry and how much I loved them and cared about them. And then I would take like a baby wipe and I wash their hands and I hand them a card and I would do that around the table that we were eating at when we were having that time of devotion and, um, and communion too. So, um, yeah, so I think that's kind of a, a big thing. Um, so do you, so for Easter, what was kind of your big takeaway from the Easter services you went to? Um, what do you mean by takeaway? Like, I mean, what was like kind of like the main, like, like the main point of the message and kind of, was there any type of charge or application um, after that? Or was it just more of kind of like your stereotypical Easter service where it's like, he is risen, he's risen indeed. Jesus, the tomb is empty. Jesus is not there anymore. Hallelujah, praise Jesus. Okay, let's go and dismiss the prayer and you guys can go and have your family dinners at home like or was there anything like a little bit more to um something where you kind of felt like okay there's like a call to action or there's a call to you know kind of keep the spirit of easter alive not just confined to this one day but to kind of radiate into the week and to the months so i don't know how to answer that question, like, I want to be careful when I answer that question. So, yeah. like, I <laughs> I thought it was a great message. I thought the worship was great. I thought that the the service as a whole was great. But I, but I almost feel almost as if there's some stagnant mm. like like a like a, a feeling of being stagnant a feeling of like complacency mm. um and and I don't know if that was because the church that I was in yesterday is primarily an older congregation mm-hmm. um I just feel um I don't know man it it, it just feels very rote it feels yeah. very let's do this because we have, and you, you talked and you touched a little bit ago about foot washing, right? There there are churches that still do like a Wednesday night prayer meeting, a Thursday night, Monday, Thursday, a good Friday service, some sort of egg hunt on Saturday and Sunday they have worship. And by the time you get to Sunday, that's five different commitments that you and your family have to either navigate through or attend. And so, um, or if you're the small um, congregation, mid-sized congregation, that's like, you know what, we're just going to have Sunday service. And um, share the good news of the gospel, share the good news that he is risen and, you know, have worship a message and pray and you're out of there and you're having dinner with your family, like you're saying. I feel like that's kind of where some churches have landed over Mm. the last couple of years. Um, I don't know if you feel that way, but it's uh, I I, I, I don't. And again, I want to be careful when I say this, but it's like it's just it's very it's hard to see that lack of interest in the church, lack of participation in the church, lack of uh, transparency within the church from the other side. Um, I saw this the other day on TikTok, and there's this guy who does um, 
it's not necessarily a deconstruction thing. Mm-hmm. It's more like I've walked away from the church and I still believe in Jesus, but I'm not perfect. Yeah. And I think that plays a lot into the narrative of, especially our generation, of people that don't want to go to church no more, people that have walked away from the church, people that don't feel like they're good enough, people that, you know, are striving for a lot a life of holiness, but yet, you know, there's this persecution coming from the generation before us in the church, the very, you know, the very people that we grew up under, that it's like, you're not good enough. And if you're not holy enough and you're not this or that or the other, it's like, well, are we holy enough? Are we perfect enough? Can we be perfect enough? Is it possible? And yeah. and, and my answer to that is no. And yeah. so there feels like there's almost been this, uh, like I said before, lack of transparency and people will only come to church for like special occasions such as Easter, such as Christmas, mm-hmm. such as, um, you know, if your, your son or daughter is getting dedicated for a child dedication or, you know, you name it, right. Special, special circumstances where people want to come to church. And so, um, in my humble opinion, I, I think it should be, uh, you know, the excitement for the gospel should be every week. It shouldn't just be because Easter or because mm-hmm. of Christmas. So um, that was a long and exegetical way to answer that. I, I felt like it was very much, okay, went to church, had worship, had teaching. He is risen. Amen. Go home. Yeah. Yeah. And see, and that's the thing. And I can't really speak about our Easter services because, again, I wasn't in there for the message. But the stuff that I could control, which is, you know, here I am, because, again, we're teaching about the resurrection of Jesus and why the tomb's empty. And my big push or my kind of big push was, you know, why is the resurrection of Jesus Christ important? Why is the empty tomb so significant? And, and, And again, like our big idea was, you know, Jesus is alive today and every day. So what does that mean? And so for me, I kind of put it practically like, hey, not only just like, well, you know, sin's defeated. And if we sin, we can go to Jesus and ask him to forgive us of our sins. But then even just to live a life of hope and to proclaim that hope to the people that we meet. And I feel like that a lot of times just kind of browsing through different people's services. Cause again, I didn't have to do, had, didn't have any evening stuff to do yesterday. So I had time just to kind of, okay, let me just browse through like some of my friends messages or other like churches that I follow, like, you know, what's their messages. And I feel like a majority of them was just about Jesus conquered death. Jesus. We don't have to fear death. Uh, the tomb is empty. And that's something that we should be celebrating. And I feel like if Easter is one of those holidays where you get a majority of people in your churches, especially those who don't attend church regularly or they just turn, they only come on Easter and Christmas or maybe Mother's or Father's Day or some other big, you know, church liturgical day. um, Those are the times where you probably want to be very evangelistic and not only your approach to how you present your message, but I would say even to challenge your congregation and those there that, hey, because the tomb is empty, we 
are empowered by that same spirit that God has given his son, uh, making reference to, you know, John's gospel and how he sees things. And the idea that, you know, we can go and make disciples, we can go and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to people. We can kind of be that beacon of hope. And then um, there's an author that I have a couple of his books for, Peter Rollins. He uh, talked about the about how he denies the resurrection. And it was like an interesting, and it was just like a little like kind of like soundbite, but he talked about how he denies the resurrection of Jesus Christ when he's not loving his neighbor. He denies the resurrection of Jesus Christ when he's not um, being the voice for the voiceless and kind of being standing in the gap of the marginalized, um, not caring about the widows and orphans, not kind of making change to kind of make sure that justice happens for those who have been dealt an injustice. And it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, that just that alone, just like, like little five minute clip probably had as much power um, in those five minutes than some of the 20 or 30 minute sermons I was hearing yesterday from different places, because what Peter Rollins did is he's basically saying, if we want to, show that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is real. Here's how we do it. We don't have to have evidence and talk about tombs and talk about Romans, you know, the Roman rule books and, and all this stuff or kind of prove the existence of Christ. We can prove the existence of Christ and that he's risen from the dead by how we act and how we behave and how the spirit leads us to bear spiritual fruit. And mm -hmm. if we're not doing that, and we're just going back to the same old, same old and going back to grumbling and complaining on our social media sites and and um, just posting, you know, coffee memes and, uh, you know, or just Bible verses. And that's the extent of how you're showcasing the love and hope of Jesus Christ to your friends and your neighbors. Then, you know, you're. I feel like you're just still. You know, in some ways, the tomb is still sealed and you don't know if Jesus is in there or not because you're not acting like the Savior that we say that we love and we follow is actually risen from the dead. And I'm thinking, wow, that's that's some powerful stuff. Like, that's good stuff. Like, and that was five minutes. Like, <laughs> So, I mean, it's kind of so that's where I'm kind of at with Easter. Like, you know, we have these as ministers, we have these opportunities that we have probably the most people will ever see at one place on one time in like two days out of the year, Easter and Christmas. And my thing is that this is an opportunity to really make the gospel of Jesus Christ come alive. This is a really great opportunity to really dig down and look at the practical ways of how the empty tomb can change our lives, not only from the spiritual side of what Jesus is you know, resurrection means for us, but what that means going forward and how other people can partake and believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ by seeing the work of Jesus in our own lives through transformation and through the good works and deeds that we do uh, that kind of showcase the power of Jesus Christ. Do you think, do you think there's a level of complacency? I don't know if it's a level of complacency or if it's just kind of a or if it's just kind of a well it's Easter and it's busy and we have 
all these services that we do. So we just put in like, so I think in some cases for some pastors, it's probably just here's everything that needs to get done this week that I have to prep for. So maybe complacency, but maybe just kind of doing the bare minimum because there's just so much you're doing that week. Especially if you are doing a Wednesday night thing, you're doing a Thursday night, Monday, Thursday service, you're doing a good Friday service. Maybe you're doing an Easter egg hunt or an Easter pancake breakfast that Saturday for families and kids. And then you have your Easter service like that is that is like grown up vacation Bible school right there. Like it's it's a lot. And then that's the thing, because each of those celebrations are so different. Um, as far as the content that each of those represents, like, I think it could just be that it's like, well, what is, what can I do to put on a pretty good Easter service without overextending myself or overextending my team? And maybe well, so, that, and well, maybe that's well, it. The one person show. What if you're the one person show? Like, yeah, and it. again, yeah, and if you're the it, if you are the pastor, and everything rides on you to present a good Easter service, and maybe your volunteers, whether you have very faithful volunteers that will go above and beyond to make something pull off, or if you have volunteers that you don't know if they're going to show up with the communion bread or not, like, I think that's kind of a big uh, takeaway to really ponder and really say okay like how do i um you know how do i make this happen and i think um yeah so i mean complacency yeah but i mean i think even sometimes if there's certain things that you're used to doing and you can just pull out your easter folder in your desk and say okay here's what we're going to do here's what you could do so it's very systematic and you can easily put together a good easter week service then i think some pastors may do that um and kind of go from there. And especially if you have a church, and I think kind of the temptation for most leaders is if it's the same people that come to your church, yeah. like your like your like your core group, and then it's like people who have already been baptized, people who have already given their lives to Christ, people who have been in this church for 20, 30 years and have heard the Easter story over and over and over again, then it's like, well, I'm just going to do what they like because that's what's going to be the easiest and that's what's going to be and again you know how much more can i challenge my congregation but i would say the i think that's the temptation i think where it's flawed is that the few handful of people that do show up to your church the the cousin or the brother of one of your church members who is not a christian or has turned away from the faith like maybe there's something that you can say that's going to give that person hope because i'm sure that person has heard jesus died for your sins and the tomb is empty the same amount of times as their cousin or their brother their sister their mom and dad has heard 30 times but how can you make it become more alive and more fruitful especially in a very polarizing society Mm. I mean, we could say, yeah, we have hope in Jesus, but yeah, I have hope in Jesus. But how does that play out when there's political discourse or any time when I put any time when anyone puts anything innocently on Facebook, people are like tearing it apart and, 
and calling people names and ripping them apart. And, you know, it's stuff like that where how do you, you know, when people are getting more bent out of shape about, you know, what people put on their cans or or certain like policies, decisions that are made or some of the outcries that are happening. And it's like, okay, well, the tomb is empty. Well, that's great. How's that going to fix this system? Or how's it going to fix this injustice? Or how's it going to help bring hope to the younger generation who, you know, they go to schools and there were, and, you know, some of them may have, you have to let your kid know, hey, there's going to be an active shooter drill at school today. So just to know that don't panic, it's just a drill. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I think I think that's kind of where I think a lot of people are at, especially those who say, and especially for those who say, well, I'm a Christian, but I don't have to go to church. Well, I get that. But at the same time, there's an important part of being part of the body of Christ. At the same time, it's also challenging to be part of a body of Christ when the body of Christ is kind of fueling, speaking more about worldly things than the things of the kingdom. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. And it's, you know, I was writing a discussion forum for one of my classes this semester a couple of weeks ago, and I was, you know, sharing that, you know, it starts the conversation. Um, but how many people are willing to have a conversation? Yeah. And, and that could be about anything, right? That could be about the gospel. That could be about... Um, you know, are you married? Do you have children? Do you um, have a relationship with Jesus? Do you uh, have you ever been to church? Like striking up that conversation and building these relationships. And I think it goes yeah. back to the complacency conversation with you have generations of generations and generations of folks who um, have went to church their whole life and they don't feel like they need to do anything but go to church. Right. There's this whole there's this whole like division. Right. One half you have this generation who has been in their uh, in the church their whole lives and kind of look negatively upon the people that don't go to church, and then you got this generation of folks who don't go to church who look negatively upon the, the people that have been in church their whole life because they're not willing to change and they don't think that it's necessary for them to go to church or to God, as you just said. Um, just you know, a sense of complacency or a sense of, of uh you know not belonging or not being a part of or having these difficult conversations and it's like why would they yeah and so um i don't know where the divide happened other than you know almost the generational thing that we've talked about multiple times where we, we kind of fall in this millennial category yeah. where the the generation before us are pretty much just set and uh i can't tell you how many videos i've seen about go to college and make it you know make a name for yourself and and figure out this life and figure out this world. And then you're in debt and you, you know, there's so much, uh, I want to say anger, but there's just so much confusion on our part as far as the church is concerned. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think the biggest piece of that is that when we grew up, the church stayed the same. Some churches stayed the same. Right. And so do do you know what I mean? When I say the church, okay. So like, you could go back to the church that you grew up in as a kid. Let's just say you went back to the very first church you ever went to and you were a little kid and you went to this church and then you go back. Now Scott is for, you know, as a 40 year old adult with kids, it's married. That church is going to, if that church is still the same, that wouldn't shock you. Right. Because there are some churches that just don't change. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
you know, COVID was a wake up call because guess what? You have to live stream. Guess what? You have to reach people beyond your four walls. And so like the biggest thing that I, I guess I'm burdened with is that, you know, okay, COVID's over. We come back to church and now it's just like it was. Yeah. Like, have you learned nothing? And, and I think Jesus says that in the gospel. Have you, have you learned nothing? Right. Yeah. Like <laughs> why, why, why would you revert back to something? Because it's comfortable. Yeah. And that's not the gospel. The gospel is to go out and make disciples. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I preached a little sermon there. Yeah, there it's okay. But all in all, I, you know, I'm not like trashing the service that I went to yesterday. I just, I, it was something, you asked that question. And it was something that I kind of noticed where, yeah. you know, you go to church, there's worship, there's preaching. It was like a normal service with yeah. flowers and people dressed up more to me. Yeah. Just to what yeah. I know. And I think, and I think, and I, and I, yeah. And I, I also want to kind of alliterate that, you know, we're not trashing people's services because I mean, you have to put some work and effort into a service unless you're someone who just spun your finger in the air, point it to a scripture and the end of the gospel say, okay, I'm going to preach on this topic today, <laughs> which I hope you didn't do that. Um, but yeah, I think that there is a point where, you know, if you feel like that Easter's kind of becoming a grind and a bore and kind of becoming a challenge and you just feel like you're just kind of going through the motions, then maybe you need to kind of re-examine your own heart and your own approach to Easter. Because if you're just trying to do a service just to get a service done and you're really not experiencing the power of this entire week and the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in your own lives, that's going to help inspire you and empower you and to encourage you to, you know, make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and do all these great things that Jesus has commanded his followers to do when Jesus came out of the tomb, then you might have to re-examine something within your own life and your own heart. So that way that the people that you are proclaiming the message to, that they can feel that same excitement, that they too can feel that same passion of what it means, what the, what the resurrection of Jesus Christ really means for them in their own lives and how they can live that out for weeks and months to come. Mm -hmm. Well, friends, Again, I hope you all had a wonderful Easter last week, and hopefully, whatever we would like to know, like what was the main pinnacle or the main uh, the main push of your pastor's Easter message? Like, we would love to hear that in the comments. Uh, we would love to know, kind of, if even if you have a link to, like, hey, here's what our church preached on Easter, and I thought it was really good. Here you go. You know, put that link up. I mean, again, I like to watch. I like to watch what other people are doing for Easter. I think it's wonderful. I think it's a great celebratory time in the life of the church. So Pat, post those links, uh, post those comments. We'd love to hear from you. And friends, thank you so much for listening. And we hope you have a wonderful weekend and we'll be back on with another episode. Take care. Mm-hmm.